And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 13. We'll be in verse 20 in a moment. But before we do that, I just want to read a list to you. Raymond, Mike, Stephen, Lou, John, George, Becky, Wallace, Suzanne, Ruthann, Tamara, Edie, Wally, Greg, Steve, John, George, Paul, David, David, Jay, Scott, Molly, Dax, Adam, Leland, Joe, Randy, Rob, Pam, George, Kay, David. Now to you, that's a random list of first names. To me, that's a spiritual biography. Those are people outside of my family that have had a significant impact on my life in my faith and my walk with Jesus. And as I read each of those names, you're just like, when are you going to get done with the list? As I read each of those names, a moment, a memory, a time flashed through my mind and the way that God used them in my life to help lead me towards the place that I currently am. In fact, many of you would be on that list. I stopped the list when I came here. Those are the people that help lead me to this place. So in the first 31 years of my life, that's my list. There are probably others that aren't on the list. Like I said, those are outside of my family. That's not my mom and dad and Susan and her family. They've all had significant moments as well. But those are the relationships that I think about that God used in a mighty way to shape me into the person that I am. And we're in the midst of this series called The Bond's Eye Way, where we talk about the fact that God has this image, this picture of who we are to be. When we talk about salvation, a lot of times we focus on the initial salvation experience, the initial conversion. And that is a vital part of salvation. In fact, salvation begins in that moment and in some way ends in that moment. But in the great mystery of God is continuing through our lives. In theological terms, we talk about three kind of stages or acts or moments in salvation. There's justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification is when God saves us initially, wipes our sins away. It is just as if I never sinned. It is that moment that the blood of Jesus washes away our sin and we are justified before God, made right before Him. Glorification is that moment at the end when Jesus comes again and we are all made right, when we are fully formed into who we are going to be forever, our eternal bodies are secure, and we are living and reigning with Him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. 
So we have justification and we have glorification. But in the midst of that, in the already saved, not yet fully there moment, we have this thing called sanctification, which is literally being made holy or being set apart. And what we're talking about in this series is God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what we look like at the end of the picture. He knows what we look like in that glorification moment. And we don't want to get too heavy or too deep, although we're going to dig a couple of deep things in this message. But when God is outside of time and outside of history, in some ways, it's as if it has already happened, what our glorification will look like. And so he knows the picture. He sees what's there and he's trying to get us there. Anybody here ever, um, anybody here like puzzles? How many of you are puzzle lovers? How many of you hate puzzles? You would never hate. I see that hand, Noah. Phil, I see it. All right. So in our family, one of our traditions is that we, around Christmas time, usually buy a puzzle and we put them out. And then I do like three pieces and I leave it for everybody else because that's the extent of my patience with it. Uh, and my wife and my oldest son are the best at it. Susan and Eli, they, they bond over it in some ways. They are really good at it. They can make it out. But can you imagine trying to do a puzzle without the picture as a reference? Right? And so when we think about where our lives, God already has the picture and he is guiding us along the way to get us to that moment. It is the bonsai way that he is pruning and cutting and tending and feeding and watering all along the way. And over the next few weeks, we started last week, we're talking about the particular ways in which God does that in our lives. How does he shape us? Last week we talked about that he shapes us through his word being obeyed in our lives. His word being followed and obeyed. And this week we want to talk about providential relationships. God brings people into our lives that are intended to shape us into the people that God has called us to be. Whenever I talk to anyone about their faith story, almost always in the midst of their faith story, a relationship is referenced, is mentioned, is talked about. And it's not just even the whole faith story. When someone's given a testimony about any one thing that may happen or any small thing that may happen or a change that happened in their life, oftentimes there'll be something like, well, I was doing this, I was doing that, and then I met, or then someone said, or then someone had a conversation with me, or then I started in a Bible study or with them or became friends with. I overheard that just a few minutes ago. I was walking around in here and I heard two people talking about a life change that had happened in their life and a change of direction. And I heard and then she helped me along the way to see what God was doing. Relationships are vitally important in our lives. When I think back on my life, I mentioned that whole list. One of the most influential was a guy named Mike. Mike was a guy that... Uh, was a few years older than me, went away to college. And when he came back, he came back to be an athletic trainer and PE teacher for the local school system and started helping out with our youth. And Mike would fill in as an interim youth director at my church on multiple occasions. When I was in youth group, I was not one of those that had a stable youth minister from the time I was 7 through 12. In fact, I had multiple youth ministers and multiple times without. And in the midst of those times... Mike would often step up and be our interim. And when I was 
a sophomore in high school, Mike started a Tuesday morning Bible study for the guys in my grade. Additionally, no, my, my grade in Dyersburg was a little different. Dyersburg, first of Dyersburg, was not a, a church that unlike this church. And in fact, um, the size of our youth group and all of that and many times was similar. It's been a similar pattern. And for whatever reason, my group, my age group, when we were in the youth group, we would have a youth group of about 60 or 70, but 30 of those were my age, my grade. But about 15 guys in that group. And so he said, I'll tell you what, at 6.30 on Tuesday mornings, you come to my house and we'll do Bible study and I will get as many of you come to school. And so every Tuesday morning, we began a discipleship relationship with about six or seven of us guys and Mike. And it was radically transformative in how I viewed God. And my guess is that when you think about your faith story, people naturally come to mind. And wherever your faith stories are, relationships are always involved. Who in your life has been that marker, that person that helped lead you towards being the person that God has called you to be? If you were to answer the question, who is someone God used to make your faith stronger or bigger? Who would the person be that comes to your mind? If you were to answer the question, maybe you're here, maybe you're not all the way in with God right now. Maybe there have been some struggles in your life or you're thinking about it or you're wondering about it. Who would you say is someone that at least makes you have more interest in your faith or in God? Here's the one point of the message today, and I want us to focus on different aspects of this. But here's the one point of the message today, and it is simply this. God uses human relationships to impact our faith in Him. God uses human relationships to impact our faith in Him. And I just want you to understand that our relationships with each other, our relationships with our families, yes, but even in Scripture at times above and beyond that, our relationships with our spiritual family and the people that God has placed in our lives are very important throughout Scripture. And here's the one verse that we want to focus on today. There'll be a couple others we'll bring in, but here's the one verse we want to focus on today, and it is Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 20. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, just a little note about the book of Proverbs right there in the middle of your Bible. It is wisdom literature. It is not a list of commands. It is observations about the way life works and the way God has set up life to work. And so it's not a book full of promises or commands. It's a book full of general observations that are true about life. And what this writer is saying about the way God set up the world, about the way the world operates is that those who walk with wise become wise and those who walk with fools will suffer harm. Another way to say that is, the company that you keep 
determines what happens in your life. Relationships are vitally important in our lives. Now, the question becomes why? And I want to get deep for just a moment here, okay? And I want to tell you a few reasons why they are. But here's the thing I want to say from the very beginning. Relationships are important to us because they are important to the God we serve. And I mean to the Godhead itself, the Trinity, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, now here's what I want us to, to talk about just for a minute. People sometimes try to come up with ways to figure out the Trinity and ways to come up with metaphors for the Trinity that, that, that God is both a husband and father and son, like I, like I am. I am both a, I'm all three, a son, a husband, and a father. But that's not quite the same because I'm the, same person, just three roles. This, God is not the same person with three roles. God is three persons in one. And so any kind of, any try to we, metaphor or simile we try to come up with breaks down in the end. But here's what we know from scripture, that there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one in nature, three in persons, one in nature, And what we know is that they have existed for eternity, past, present, and future. Although that's not really something you say because there is no past, present, or future in eternity. Eternity is just eternity. They have existed in perfect relationship with one another in the midst of that. God has existed for eternity perfectly in community. By the way, there are lots of differences between Christianity and other religions in the world, but one of the major differences between Christianity and most religions in the world is that they do not have a view of a God in community. They have a view of God that got lonely and needy and created human beings to fill some need in his life. God has never, will never have a need in his life. He is self-sufficient And not needy at all. And so what happens in our creation is not that God needs more companionship. He has the completeness and the fullness of what he needs in the midst of that relationship he has in the Trinity. But what happens is that he creates us out of the overflow of that so that we might experience the relationship and the fulfillment that the ultimate Um, expression of love is engaging more people in that kind of love. And so we are created to be in relationship with him and relationship to one another to, to understand in small part, the beauty of the community that is happening in the Trinity in our relationships with him and each other. In fact, Bible trivia question for you. In the Genesis 1 and 2, we're described creation about all that happened in creation of God. It says over and over again that God saw it and it was good, right? He created the heavens and the earth. It was day one and it was good. Does anybody know the first time in Scripture when it says it was not good? Genesis 2, it's pretty early on. And it says that God looked at Adam and thought it was not good for man to be alone. Not good to not have 
community, relationship. The reason that relationships are so important in the Bible is that they are an overflow of the Trinitarian relationship that has been existing for eternity. And we are just wanting to get a little bit of what that is. Another reason that relationships are so important in Scripture is because they form us. That's what this verse is all about. Our relationships help form who we are. Either for good or they undermine our faith. I mean, Proverbs 13, 20 says it pretty plainly, right? That those who walk with the wise become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I'm not going to ask you to give examples here, but we all know people, right, that were not living exactly how God would want them to be, and then God brought along people into their lives who loved on them, who helped them, who showed them, who helped them to become more involved in what God was doing in their lives, and it radically transformed their life to the point where they were living for the Lord. We've seen that, right? We've also seen the opposite of that, right? People that seemed to start out great, they were doing great, they were doing good things, and then they fell, that's what we say, it, right? They fell into the wrong crowd. Nobody ever jumped up into the wrong crowd. Our words give way to that. They fell into the wrong crowd. They met a new group of friends or they started hanging out at a different place or they got hired at a different location or they went to a different school. The group of friends that are around them suddenly became not ideal and as a result, their lives, instead of lifting the friends up, their lives were drugged down to the level of their friends. Scripture speaks of this even in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in kind of an odd place because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 it's talking about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. But in the midst of that it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived. If you begin, the point that he's making in 1 Corinthians 15 is, if you begin to listen to just a little bit of this doubt, if you begin to listen to a little bit of this false teaching, if you begin to allow that to happen, then suddenly it's going to infiltrate your life. It's like leaven or yeast that spreads, that that builds up. It is not something that will just stop. It ruins the whole thing. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. In fact, for most of us in this room, when we think back on the greatest regrets of our lives, oftentimes, oftentimes, they revolve around relationships or people that we followed or got involved with that we never should have. And what Scripture teaches us is that there are no neutral relationships when it comes to to our walk with the Lord. The relationships that we are in are either building up our faith or they are undermining our walk with the Lord. Several years ago on a Brazil trip, I was uh, having a conversation with some people that were younger than me and they, they at that time felt that God had called them to be dating. They were high schoolers and in infatuation. They called it love. That's not what it was. 
And so they were having a conversation and they just, they, they were also, I mean, they were good kids. They were spiritual kids. They were trying to figure some things out for that week at um, Brazil. I had been speaking every night. And so they come to me to ask me some questions about something that I'd spoken on the night before. And they just said to me, how will we know whether this is something God intends for us to continue doing? And I said, here's the simple rule that as long as your relationship is continuing to build each up other in your faith with Christ, it's good. So that whether at the end of this you come to the place where you are no longer supposed to be together, you break up or whatever, that at the end of that you say, I didn't waste five years of my life, two years of my life, one year of my life, not following the Lord in the midst of that. Or even though the relationship is over, I am stronger today because of it. Here's the thing, shocking, they didn't end up married to each other, okay? But I do believe that time they were built up. And the question we have to ask of every relationship in our lives is, is it something that is building us up to the Lord or is it undermining our faith? And can I tell you why that's even more important today? Because the reality is, every day we are part of a culture or a system, Scripture calls it the world, that is attempting to undermine our faith. And our relationships can either carry us along with the culture and that undermining of our faith, or can help us swim against the current that is currently out there. We were made for relationship, and so relationships are powerful in my li- our lives. It's how we are wired. It just is. You can see this group mentality and how we desire to belong and desire to have people acknowledge us and desire to be part of the group in, in some kind of funny ways at times. Um, you, you may watch prank shows. Like when I was growing up, it was Candid Camera. How many of you remember Candid Camera, right? We were driving uh, a few weeks ago, actually last Sunday, taking Eli to school at Union, and there was a major wreck on the interstate, and they diverted us through the craziest things, and we were in three separate vehicles. Because Eli was driving to school, Susan was coming back early, I was going on to Dyersburg to spend some time with my mom and dad, and so it took us like three hours and 15 minutes to get to Jackson. And we went on some roads that I don't think are approved for the passage of vehicles, and we were right behind an RV that was on those roads, and so we were having to stop and all that. And at some point, while we're talking, Susan's car like, are you sure you know what we're doing? I was the lead car, had Google Maps up, It told, I just followed blindly down um, Harry's Cemetery Road. I don't know what that was. It was one of them we went on. And Susan just over the phone said, hey, do you think, like, I felt like we're on candid camera. And I was like, our kids were like, what, what is that? You know, like, I don't know what that is, right? So but when I was growing up, there was a show called Punked. Um, I think one of the guys from Strangers Kings has got one. But I was seeing some clips of some prank shows that were happening from around the world this week, and there was one where there was a guy that got, got on an elevator by himself, and then at every floor on this prank show, they had one person get on the elevator, and that person would go and face the rear of the elevator. Wouldn't turn around. And then on the next floor, another person, and another person. And at the fifth floor, with the fifth guy got on and looked, guess what the one guy that didn't know what was going on did? He turned around and faced the back of the elevator. Right? 
Another one, they had people in a doctor's office and there was a calendar on the wall and these people in the doctor's office, guy went in and didn't know what was going and one by one, people would go up and just rip out a page of the calendar and go sit down. After four, the guy that didn't know what was going went on and ripped off the calendar page and sat down. Or the most embarrassing, perhaps, it was another doctor's office. And randomly, people that were in on it began to strip down to their underwear. After the fifth one, the person that did not know what was going on stripped down to their underwear. Right? We want to be part of the group. They, they were studying fish. Uh, and they were trying to figure out why fish swim in schools. And they found that there was a part of their brain that wanted to be part of what was going on. And so they figured out what, and they mapped it in the little fish brains, and they did a partial lobotomy on that fish and removed that part, and that fish began to swim on its own without caring about the school of fish and began to swim around the tank. They had a huge tank, was on its own doing nothing. Guess what eventually happened? The other fish followed the fish that had part of his brain removed. They were following a brainless fish, also called fads in high school. They were following brainless fish, right? We want to be part of what's going on. So here's the question. What positions are you putting yourself in to follow? What do you have surrounding you and how is it impacting your faith? There are no neutral relationships in your life. Andy Stanley says this, Your friends determine the direction and quality of your life and the depth of your faith. He says that when he talks to youth, he says nothing in your life will predict your future more than your friends. Parents are like, exactly. But that's also true for us as adults. Nothing in our lives will determine our future and our direction like the people that we put ourselves around because God has designed relationships to be that important to us and they shape us. Proverbs 13, 20. The one who walks with the wise will become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Relationships are so important because it's how God designed us, that we are created in his image, and his image is of one in community, in relationship. They form us. That's why they're important. It's because God's created it that way and that God forms us through relationships. They can be used for good or for bad. But here's another reason. Sometimes we need them because they comfort us. Again and again and again, the Bible reminds us that in those moments of desperation and of need, we need other people. It is not coincidental that we live in a time when people are more, according to research, more anxious, more depressed, more sad, than in any other time that's been researched. When it is tied to the fact that in other research it has shown that people feel lonelier, 
and more disconnected than ever before. Relationships are to be those things in our life that give us joy and strength and in difficulty, comfort. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? One pastor calls this the spooning verse. Because of the last one. But the point is understood, right? We need each other and we need to comfort each other and to warm each other and to be there for each other. Now, just human nature is that you're going to, in those moments, fall upon the people that are closest to you. I just want to say this about how they form us as well. In your moments of greatest vulnerability, you want people speaking into your lives that are going to give you the perspective that God intends, not the world. And you're going to fall into someone's arms in those moments of desperation. You're going to fall into someone else's circle of influence in those times of desperation. And sometimes those are the moments we make the worst choices about the relationships in our lives. But God intends for us to be comforted and warmed and strengthened by people that are going to give us his view and his worldview about life. And when we go through those difficult moments, that's what we need. A brother, a sister to pick us up, to lift us up, to be able to keep us warm in that moment. C.S. Lewis, who experienced a lot of pain in his life, said, When you go through pain, it's not theological reasoning that you need. It's the slightest touch of human sympathy. You just want someone to walk with you. And by you. And for you. Proverbs 13, 20. Those who walk with the wise become wise. But a companion of fools will suffer harm. So here's how we end today. What do we do with that? There really hasn't been any kind of, of, of understanding yet of what we do with it. And we talked last week about just knowing the truth doesn't help. It, it has to be lived out. It has to be practiced. There are two points I want to give you today as we walk away from this message about our relationships and our friendships, about what that means. And these are the two things that I want us to understand. That if we understand these two, we can leverage our relationships for the good in our lives to build us up towards God and not undermine our faith. And the first one is be intentional about placing yourselves in an environment where providential relationships of God can happen. Be intentional about putting yourself in the place of where relationships can happen. Now, there are a couple of ways to think through that. As adults, you need to make sure you're putting yourself in a godly environment where you can Live life with people around one another. You can study God's word together, yes, but you can also share in the burdens of one another's lives. That you can pray for one another. You can help one another. You can be a part of our lives together. 
The function and the mechanism we have for that at this church is our small groups, most of which are Sunday schools that meet on Sunday morning during the hour right before this. And we have some great ones. And I would just say to you, if you are not involved in a small group, find me afterwards and let me help you find a place to be a part. And if we need to start one, we'll find something and start something so that you can be in that environment because you must be intentional in it. And we also say this to parents, to grandparents. Be intentional about putting your kids in environments where they can have their faith encouraged. Now, I know I feel a little bit like I'm speaking to the choir because you're here. But it's amazing to me how intentional we will be about putting our kids in extracurricular or school or sports environments because we want them to succeed in that. And we're not nearly as intentional as putting them into places where spiritually they're going to be enhanced. Where people are going to hold them accountable and where they're going to be encouraged in their faith. Be intentional about that in your life. Be intentional about it in your kid's life. I think I've shared this illustration before. But like I said earlier, when you've been here 15 years, I think I'm out. All right, And so I'm going to repeat some. I'll never forget having a conversation with my dad uh, the week before my wedding. And I had um, six guys from Dyersburg in my wedding. Had nine guys total, three from college, six from Dyersburg. And I remember asking my dad, I said, Dad, isn't it crazy that all six of those guys played on my kiddie league baseball team? And he said, well, he said, we kind of did that on purpose. I and he's, my dad said, I didn't mean that we we're going to, I knew they were going to be in your wedding. He said, but when I drafted, my dad was the manager. Um, our team was MASH. Anybody remember MASH TV show? Okay. The hospital sponsored us. We were MASH. All the coaches wore scrubs and had nicknames. My dad was Potter, Colonel Potter. And so, I mean, he still has those coaches call him Potter. But he said, this is what he said, I'll never forget this. He said, that, he said, when we sat down and drafted, he said, I drafted parents and kids that I wanted to be your friend. A couple of them already were, but some of them weren't. We formed relationships there. Because my mom and dad understood that my friends were going to determine the future of my life. As God would use them to shape me. Be intentional. Here's the second thing, the last thing, and we're done. Be willing to be the providential relationship for someone else. Just like you need people in your life to speak into your life, to help you to follow along, to build you up in your faith... You need to be willing to be that for someone else. That may mean hard conversations at times. That may mean going out of your way and sacrificing some things to be a listening ear or to give advice or to be a part or to help people understand. Like those are situations that you need to be willing to be the one that's going to be the influence in other people's life. Which means as people around you are helping to influence you towards the Lord, find people that are you going to help to encourage towards their faith. One point today, and only one, that God uses, uses human relationships to impact our faith. One verse to focus on. 
Those who walk with the wise will become wise. But companions of fools will suffer harm. How are you being intentional about the relationships in your life in building your faith? And how willing are you to be that for someone else? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment and this day, this opportunity to be able just to be reminded again of how important relationships are in our lives. And Lord, to help us evaluate the relationships in our lives, whether they are encouraging our faith or whether they're undermining them. Help us, Lord, in these days ahead to see how you're using the relationships around us to mold us and to shape us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.